everybody. Welcome to Generation Lost, the show about movies with Bryn. And Jeremy. That doesn't take itself too seriously. And we are in week four, three. <laughs> um, That's how not seriously month. we take ourselves. <laughs> we're not even counting the weeks. <laughs> yeah, we're staring at the clocks, looking the calendar pages turn. Uh, it's week three of Heist Month, uh, voted on by the Dark Council. Uh, the fourth council to exist. Um, if you would like to know what the Dark Council is and you don't know already, you can go to patreon.com slash generation loss and learn all about it and maybe even become one of those shadowy maybe figures. <laughs> and, and, you know, if you, like me and like all patriotic Americans, are mad at Anheuser-Busch for what they did to the straight white core <laughs> of this fucking country and you want to support a real patriot an anti-woke yeah. patriot just trying to sell bud lights at the bud light factory go ahead and mm-hmm. go to patreon.com slash generation loss <laughs> and support us in our patriotic endeavor to talk about movies in a way that's not so serious that's right and you'll stick one to anheuser-busch yeah well one thing we definitely aren't are anheuser-busch a multinational corporation. <laughs> you better <that> fucking <laughs> believe if you want to boycott, if you want to boycott Bud Light, a great place to put that money instead is the Generation Loss podcast. <laughs> Consider joining at the Sopranos tier for just $10 a month. You can tell Anheuser-Busch that you are not trans and you'll never be. <laughs> <laughs> and you're not afraid of being trans and you don't you're think you afraid. are. You're not afraid. Yes, and next month we will have guest uh, Dylan Mulvaney on to, expl- <laughs> <laughs> to explain why we hate Bud Light or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Still don't really know who this person is. Some annoying lady is all I can Some out. lady. <laughs> She's got an annoying smile and an annoying lilt. Um, anyway, the show is not about beer. Or Dylan Mulvaney. <laughs> it's definitely not about that person. Um, uh, this movie, this is a show about movies. Sometimes it gets confusing. It's a podcast about movies. And uh, before we get to the main heist movie that we watched for this week, we should talk about what else we watched this week. So, Jeremy, as a usual, I will ask you, what did you watch this week? Thank you for asking, Brand. You are so welcome. This week, as part of my continued viewing uh, for Heist Month, I am I'm going to try, I think, going forward, if we do these themed months, I am going to try to gear my other watching towards uh, towards the theme. It was a little tough in Exploitation Month because those movies suck and I never want to watch them. <laughs> yeah, um, same. But heist movies are fun. I like a heist movie, so I've been enjoying myself doing a little bit of extra reading on the side here. And uh, so this week... Uh, I decided to watch a 2018 heist comedy film directed by Gary Ross. Of course, I'm talking about Ocean's 8. Ocean's 8. Starring Sandra Bullock, Kate Blanchett, Anne Hathaway, Mindy Kaling, Sarah Paulson, Aquafina, Rihanna, and Helena Bonham Carter. (laughs) What? All those people are in that movie? An absolutely star-studded cast. (laughs) The stars are out tonight, Bryn, and they are here to steal a diamond necklace from the Met Gala. So are they, uh, that is the, uh, are they, uh, like Julia Roberts is in the other movies. It's the same character, right? Julia Roberts is not in this movie. Oh my God. Uh, Oh my God. Sandra Bullock, who I often get confused for Julia Roberts, as we've talked about. And as people have many times told me is stupid (laughs) and perhaps face blindness. (laughs) Uh, Uh, you know, they're the same like genre of lady. Same genre of chick, same wide mouth. That's anyway, true, big wide um, mouth. Big wide mouth, lot of teeth. They look like an AI generated image. They got so many goddamn teeth, <laughs> them too. They're like the the Tom Cruise of ladies. Mm, you're absolutely they are. right. They got the big wide mouth and too many teeth, and they're smiling too. They look like the they look like Toad in the live action Super Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> They don't look that bad, but uh, yeah. So Ocean's Eight. What is it about? How is Ocean's it? How is Eight. it related? So Sandra Bullock plays uh, Danny Ocean's sister. Oh come on, uh, Debbie Ocean. Um, <laughs> at the beginning of the movie, she's just getting out of prison, uh, and uh, we find out that Danny is dead. 
What? Um, no, he's and not. And she goes to New York to get a gang together to steal. She like instantly just has like a, a scheme in mind. She's been thinking about it since the day she went to prison. Okay. Uh, and the scheme is there's like some big old uh, like original Cartier necklace uh, that's just like got these like big fuck off huge diamonds <laughs> on it. And it's like they say it weighs like 10 pounds or something insane <laughs> like that. It's impossible to wear. You can't wear it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like way too heavy. Uh, <laughs> and basically her plan is to steal it and they're going to sell it and split the money, okay. you know, eight ways. Um, it's it's at the Met Gala. They have to come up with a whole scheme to. Um, Does she have a fence? Uh, I think she has one in mind, but it's not really it's not really important. Okay, because as you'll see later. Yeah, if you haven't been listening to Highsmith, I just learned what a fence was from uh, <laughs> from <laughs> Rouge. So I'm. And if you haven't seen an Oceans movie before. The main heist that you think you're watching, not always it's the heist that you, the heist. you're actually yeah, watching. So, so their plan is to go to the Met Gala. Um, Helena Bonham Carter is a uh, is a fashion designer, and she's like making a dress for this celebrity woman. And she like convinces the celebrity woman like the only the only necklace that's worthy of you and of this look is this ancient Cartier necklace yeah. that we have to like get from the Cartier archive and like get them to like. They have to like insure it and they have to like send two armed guards to hang out with her all night to make sure it doesn't like go missing you or need nothing. An elaborate pulley system just to wear it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it has like a special magnet that like keeps it clasped shut. So they have to like figure out how to like get the magnet off and whatever. Oh my goodness. It's like all sorts of like little steps that you like to see in a heist movie sure. and whatever. Um, and so they go through all their planning steps and whatever, and they go to the Met Gala, and then they have a whole big coordinated song and dance routine. And basically, the idea is that they're gonna like, they're gonna like drug her, the the celebrity, oh so that she gets sick and throws up. And when she's throwing up, they steal the necklace off her neck. It's rough. Um, <laughs> and then they sneak it down into like the catering kitchen, uh, where this jeweler woman is gonna like basically like cut it apart into like eight different pieces so that they can sneak smaller pieces of it out one by one and reassemble it and then reassemble it later. Okay. Uh huh. Um, seems like a pretty good plan, I guess it's a good plan and it's great and it's fun. And they work on the cameras to like make a blind spot and whatever. And like everything works the way you want it to in this kind of movie. But then sneakily, sneakily, um, something, the scheme has never been about the necklace at all. Oh, uh, in fact, um, oh, one cool thing about it, too, is that they make uh, I don't like the device that they use to do this, but they make a replica of the necklace okay. so that um, when they steal it off the woman, you know, it like causes this whole big security kerfuffle and and they like lock down the Met Gala mm. and they're like this fucking ancient necklace has gone missing. <laughs> Nobody's going anywhere. We're searching everybody. We're searching everywhere. And then they have this like cubic zirconia necklace that they made of it that someone pulls out of a fountain. They're like, I found it. Got it. <laughs> um, but that doesn't, but the way they make good? it is with, like, well, I mean, that part is cool, but the the way they make it is with like this dumbass 3d printer thing that I'm just kind of uh. like, I don't care. I would, it would have been cooler if the jeweler had to like study it in a book or something. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and carve it by hand or, or some shit like that. Um, I agree. Oh, but anyway, so I mean, it turns out that like they actually weren't trying to steal that necklace at all. They, um, but they were doing it because I guess Debbie Ocean has like an ex-boyfriend who she's trying to fuck over because he fucked her over or something like that. Okay. So she like plants a couple pieces of the necklace on him so that he goes to jail. (laughs) Uh, And then like in the distraction of everybody looking for the necklace, uh-huh. They uh, sneakily get the Chinese guy from the first Ocean's Eleven movie. Oh wow! The trapeze artist. He makes a he makes an appearance. Uh, they get the trapeze artist to sneak into a whole different exhibit that's unrelated that they've like <laughs> reminded you of a couple of times, okay. which is very nice uh, from a heist movie perspective. So it but doesn't feel he, like a total random. Bullshit. Exactly. It's not a pull. It's not an ass pull at all. It's like you completely a hundred percent are like, oh my god, I forgot all about that. Oh yeah, that thing. <laughs> Um, and there's like a whole other set of ancient jewelry somewhere else in the building um, <laughs> that he goes and he steals <laughs> and replaces with more replicas and shit. Okay. Um, and so in the end, 
like everybody for a second is like, I can't believe you fucked us over for, for a guy. And like, you know, we're going to lose that 150 million because you had to plant it on him or whatever. And she's like, well, guess what? Actually, we're going to make 800 million or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that. So yeah, is it? So are you saying it's good? I loved it. Yeah, oh, I thought wow. it was an awesome time. I mean, I think like uh, it's not like a, you know, it's not a five or nothing. I mean, it's like a pretty base hit sort of movie. Um, you mean it's five as out good of five? as. Yeah, it's not a five out of five. Oh, I yeah. mean, it's like a, I think I gave it like a three or something yeah, like that. Yeah, but like what's, what's Ocean's Eleven? One. Yeah, exactly. Ocean's Eleven is probably a four out of five. Yeah, yeah. It's like a fine, fun little movie. And mm-hmm. this is like slightly, slightly less more contrived. Good, um, <laughs> But pretty fucking fun, all told. And um, that's great. Uh, Anne Hathaway is the actress who they're using for their, you know, their mule. Oh, fun! And um, she is so much fun in the whole movie. Uh, she like halfway through the movie, or not halfway. She's like towards the end of the movie. Once the heist has already happened, um, she like figures it out herself. Uh-huh. Uh huh. She figures out what happened, and so she like approaches them, and she's just like, hey like what the fuck guys you like got me involved in all this stuff and they're like oh uh oh are we in trouble and she's like no i just want to get cut in on it yeah and they're like what you have all the money in the world she's like i know but i don't really have any like close female friends and like i kind of just want to like, hang out with you guys <laughs> you guys are really nice to me so yeah and so like the whole the whole rest of the movie she's just like part of the gang and she's like a delight and she's really funny <laughs> That there's a fun. great um james corden plays like an auditor from the insurance company who's trying to figure out what happened to the necklace uh and he's he's really good he does a really good job um and james great corden scene. he's the fat british guy yeah uh-huh. i hate that guy i know i hate him too but he was really good in um you remember we liked him in into the woods oh yeah he um, was okay in that and i liked him in this too so he's like a little detective for the insurance company and he's sitting down with Anne Hathaway talking about it and whatever. And he's like going through all the stuff and talking it out and whatever. And there's like some point where he like has like a little like chin scratch moment where he's just like, you know what? Sometimes I really like this job because he's like really like, you know, working on it and whatever. Uh-huh. He's like really enjoying himself. And like Anne Hathaway has this great just like she's like, I love my job, too. <laughs> It's just this like really funny, genuine, like got a huge laugh out of me. <laughs> just like a little head tilt and a side, just being like, I love my job too. <laughs> she's well, she's funny because she gets a lot of hate for being like a drama kid in person, but like she's a really mm. good actress. Like I, she I really love good. Anne Hathaway and like most of the stuff she's in. And she's so funny. She's mm-hmm. like way funnier than you really expect her to be. Mm-hmm. Um, at least in this, I mean, I, I I'm trying to look at her other. What else has she yeah, I'm been to in? Think of what her. What else oh, has she been funny? You know, in? she's funny in Princess Diaries, like her kind of breakout mm. role. I loved that movie when I was a kid. Yeah, um, that's true. She was very funny in that. Um, she anyway, she's great in this, and um, I think Aquafina is pretty good in this. Rihanna is surprisingly pretty good in this. Um, you know, I always wanted to watch that movie that uh, Issa Rae said she was going to make and clearly lied about. You remember there was that picture of uh, Rihanna and uh, someone else? Oh, uh, Lupita Nyong'o. Uh, and there was like um, there was like a Twitter meme where people were like, they look like they're spies in a in a heist movie and then Issa Rae was like I would write that movie and then someone else was like I would direct that movie and then like Netflix started giving it money mm. um, and like they were like oh it's gonna actually happen this like spy movie that like Twitter basically invented um, and then it never happened I don't know what happened I would like to know mm. if anybody knows what happened to that movie I kind of wanted to see that movie Rihanna and Lupita Nyong'o being a a, a a heist team seemed like a fun idea man mm. that's that's i just well, want to be clear that siren is, was jeremy and not me even though i live in brooklyn and yeah. he lives in missouri or whatever Louis, missouri <laughs> where people are constantly dying and getting <laughs> murdered somebody got fucking somebody got fucking kidnapped like three blocks from me are you serious this week yeah, some guy got fucking, he was getting, like, the video is super weird and eerie, but he basically gets, like, blocked in by two cars, like, they're going to carjack him. 
Then they steal all his shit out of his pockets and then they throw him in the back of his car and one of them drives off with him in the back of the car. And the guy is still missing. Nobody knows what happened. Well, he probably was just in deep with them. Yes, that's pretty much yeah. What <laughs> seems pretty clear. I mean, after <laughs> he was some sort of it was some sort of drug thing. Yeah, or something. after three weeks of watching crime heist movies, uh, I assume that he owed them a lot of money. Yeah, uh huh. And and them checking his pockets is them being like, "How much you got on you?" And they're like, "It's not enough. Time to go to somewhere else where we'll intimidate you or kill you." <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, I recommend Oceans Eight. I also recommend Oceans Eleven. I, wish, I of recommend course. Oceans Twelve um, too. And I think uh, I don't know about twelve. I think thirteen is the I one like that them I all. like. Twelve is the one that has uh, Julia Roberts as you know look alike right. Julia Roberts, and that doesn't. That's really work okay. For me. It's it's not the best part of the movie, but I think twelve is pretty good, and thirteen is a really good. Is my remember is my mm-hmm. remembrances. Uh, I like all those movies. Yeah, I'm gonna rewatch those. I think probably this week. Yeah, I'll probably have to wait. Uh, to watch this until next month so that I don't have to talk about <laughs> it uh, twice in a row. Mm. But, uh, yeah. Well, Bryn, I simply must know. What so did I you watch this week? I watched two movies this week. Um, the first one I don't have a lot to say about because we've talked about it before, so I will quick keep it quick, but I finally watched Fantastic Beasts 3, The Secrets of Dumbledore. Uh <laughs> <laughs> not what i thought you were gonna say <laughs> um i've watched that movie uh which i love i love the fantastic beast movie mm-hmm. um i don't really get why people don't like them if they like the first one or any other harry potter movies like i think these are great uh to bad story like the stories aren't very good but the um mm-hmm. Well, they're not really based on much, are they? Like the Fantastic Beasts book is like a, it's just like an encyclopedia. Yeah, of yeah, beasts, no, it's not based on it? anything. I mean, the the story ends up being a very long, complicated story about, you know, it's it's sort of like the Star Wars prequels uh, in that it's like, what if we talk about politics <laughs> for adults mm-hmm. uh, in these kids' movies? But my thing about the Fantastic Beasts movies is that all of them look just like every scene is like a crazy like Dali painting and everything just looks amazing. Like I, I, I I don't, Mm -hmm. it's so crazy. I I feel like it's some of the most interesting and most beautiful art direction and set design in like any movie. Uh, Like I, I consider it up there with like, like Lynch stuff and like Yodorowsky stuff. Like it's just so crazy looking a lot of the time, especially the second one, uh, a movie that people don't like apparently. Um, the thing is, is like, mm. is it that they don't like it or you're not I think supposed it's a lot to like of, it? I think a lot of it is both. Um, I think even Harry Potter fans mm. weren't huge fans of the second one. Um, or the, I'm not really sure. The thing is, is that I don't care about the characters at all. Um, I like it because I like mm-hmm. the animals and I like the the visuals and like it's honestly arresting enough for me. I can like watch these two and a half hour long movies and just like look at it. Also, um, the American guy who's in it is really charming. His name is Jacob. Uh, he's really good. I think a lot of the characters are really fun and, and, um, and engaging. Uh, but this movie is about uh, Dumbledore. Uh, it's sort of just a wrap-up of the whole story, which is that Dumbledore and his lover, uh, Grindelwald, had a falling out because Grindelwald doesn't want to be a secret. He doesn't want the wizards to be secret. But his... his uh, And he wants to prevent World War II. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> uh, he also, because he wants to do that, he wants to just like be the rulers over muggles like he thinks wizards deserve to like rule over regular no magic people um and so that's like the big conflict he's a you know a a wizard supremacist um and they can't fight because they made they were in love and they made a blood pact and then so they have to it's basically kind of a heist movie where they have to get this animal that is important for some reason and they all have to work together and defeat Grindelwald. So this one is sort of the culmination of everything. It's overwrought and silly, but like there's a lot of fun 
like breaking into jails and Newt, the main character, uh, Eddie Redmayne, like doing fun animal stuff and all kinds of crazy visuals and magic, you know, Rene Magritte type of bullshit going on. So I have a lot of fun with these movies and I will watch them over and over again because they're cool. (laughs) What do you think of the... um what do you think of the news this week that they're doing the HBO remake of uh, of Harry Potter? Have you seen this? Yeah, yeah, I saw it, and I, I think they're doing so. They're folks they're at home remaking who somehow end- don't know. They're <laughs> yeah, they're doing all the books again, uh, but as an HBO series. So each book will be one season of an HBO series. Um, I th- which I mean, I think that you know you're fun. you're a fan. You like this shit. <laughs> yeah, um, I guess. I mean, I, I grew up reading you like this fucking garbage. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up reading the books and I, 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 I found that like, you know, like it was a really like, like I didn't just grow up reading them. Like I read them out loud to my family, like every night, you mm-hmm. know, it was like, a, it was, I have good memories of Harry Potter, but like I'm an adult and the, the movies don't really do it for me. Um, Mm -hmm. they never really did it for me. I thought they were sort of, you know, I like the Quran one, like most people, because it's directed well and it's cool looking. I think six and seven have some interesting things in them, um, uh, visually, but like, I don't care about the story by that point. Like, it's just not, it's just so overwrought and like just liberal hand wringing about like authoritarianism or whatever. Um, so I don't know. I mean, a show, maybe it's better and maybe it's cooler looking. I like the world and I'll probably watch that mm-hmm. shit. I'll keep drinking that garbage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like I'll, I'll at least check it out. Um, but my memory of the books, at least like when I read, you know, I read like the first three of them when I was a kid and then I didn't give a shit anymore. And then I had that girlfriend in college. who made me read um, half blood Prince before the movie oh, came yeah. out. And I remember reading it as an older person and just being like, there's not really a lot fucking here. No, that's the, that's the, really not. Yeah, much. that's the problem. And that's why I'm like, I'm not sure that there is enough to fill out a full season of television from some of these fucking books. Well, and especially because like once they start introducing political stuff in the books, they get really uncomfortable. Like in, in uh, four, they just completely cut out like half of the story of four, which is that mm. Hermione is uh, trying to free it's the slaves. <laughs> Be- oh like yeah, 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 with all this house the, elf shit, the scum yeah. thing, and it's just like J.K. Rowling just has so much like vitriol for Hermione for doing that, and then like everyone thinks it's normal that to have slaves. It's really bizarre, and like. Yeah, and in the end, doesn't she just kind of like get over it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, it's like, like I mean, like they life? free one elf uh they like trick them into freeing dobby oh yeah they trick they trick lucius into freeing yeah, dobby but then it's like nothing really changes and it's just like well they like it actually damn how about that i just fucking access those names <laughs> yeah, it's huh? pretty wild that you did <laughs> lucius malfoy um lucius malfoy draco's, uh, dad, draco's right? dad uh they trick him into freeing dobby and then that's it um mm. but like they give him a sock, don't they? Uh-huh. Yeah, they yeah. do, yeah. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> Remembering shit. Um, uh, yeah, it's a... I mean, just like, there's terrible things in the books that are just like, damn, you really are very racist. <laughs> yeah. And like, of just a bad person. Are there, um, are there field elves, too? <laughs> I don't know. I'm probably not. Um, uh, but uh, <laughs> you mo- you're probably not allowed to continue this. <laughs> uh, I think the movie very smartly cuts all of that out of the of the of the whole series, uh, yeah. and I don't think it's gonna you be get a good little to bit put of it. it. You get a little bit of um, you get Dobby, Dobby and whatever, yeah. It's very, very minimized, and I think that putting it back would be a bad decision. I think, I think writing new stuff to happen. I th- I don't see why they would just do the whole books over again. That seems dumb. But like, cause, fill cause it out, put some more shit in there. Who gives a shit about Harry anymore? Like, I I don't know. My thing about the my thing about Harry Potter in general, like the Potter verse, is like the world is so rich. 
and has a lot of fun gizmos and and like parallels and you can do weird stuff with it and and i just think that's fantastic beast is doing something cool even if it's like like i said like liberal hand-wringing about like authoritarianism or whatever at least there's an interesting like ethical conflict at the center of the second one that's like mm-hmm. well we should stop the nazis but at what cost is <laughs> like such <laughs> a strange thing for a movie to do uh, that is kind of interesting it holds my attention more than like we have to stop the big snake i don't know it's just like a not a not a not nothing i really care about anyway uh the other thing i watched this week was um scream four yes um i saw this on on letterbox oh, okay uh, <laughs> scream four i want to see scream six and i'm going to watch scream five and scream six uh in the theater hopefully um and scream four you know i had i had seen online that it was supposed to be uh one of the better ones. And I mean, I've um, talked about it a bunch of times on here. Yeah. And Jeremy has said it, it's, it's one of his favorite ones. Um, and I found it, it's interesting. Scream one through three all come out within like two years of each other. And then scream four comes out 10 years after, uh, mm-hmm. scream three. So this is like itself the first like reboot, uh, yes. kind of, and then of, it uh, is itself then like, uh, separated from scream five by a a fair number of years too, maybe 10 or more. Right. Uh, And, and that's interesting. Uh, It's funny because scream five and six come out a year apart from each other. Like they Mm. just scream five was last year. (laughs) Um, So four just feels to me like 2011 all over. Like it feels very Reddit. It begins Mm -hmm. with like two fake outs that it's like, you start the movie. Oh, you don't like the fake outs? I love the fake outs. <laughs> it's so, it just feels so Josh Whedon to me, where it's just like these two women just like talking way too eloquently and being like. But there's, su- Bryn, they're supposed to be because it's <laughs> in Stab and Stab is shitty. The I whole know. point is, it's, it's Stab is, is a shitty. It's Stab is making fun of Scream. I know, right? but and it's, Scream is making fun of movies. That's the whole movie. The whole movie and is so them being like that is 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 it makes sense because it's Stab. I know, but the joke brain. is just like we're doing this and we're telling you that that's stupid to do this, <laughs> and like that's the whole joke for the entire movie is that every joke is just oh, this is just like a horror movie. If you go in there, I'll get stabbed or you'll get stabbed or, you know, and then, mm. and then, whoa, what, what if we got stabbed? And then you do get stabbed. And that's the same joke for the entire movie. And it's like, I remember when this was fun and funny. Like, I, I, it just hasn't aged well for me. Like, I was watching it just being like, okay, yeah, I remember Cabin in the Woods and, and this. Yeah. And like, it was it was interesting and surprising to see on a big screen like writers just showing their hand and being like mm-hmm. we know you know at this point TV tropes exists we're all like in on the joke That's what the first movie is right the first movie is is that same sort of idea yeah. And then this one is like um, rehashing that same idea even more tongue in cheekily so it, it I I think there was a period of time it really made me it really made me reconsider what was like interesting about that, you know, like what was so interesting to be like winking at the camera all of the time. And it was like, because mm-hmm. the internet had started and everyone was deconstructing it anyway. And no one was sort of, uh, outside of it. Like n- there was the fourth wall had sort of been broken down because all of the writers were online too. And so like right. <laughs> everybody is just like, Oh, we're all kind of in the same pool. We're just the ones in control of the screen. Uh, and so it's pretty interesting to go back and watch it. But I, I, I kind of have the same uh, complaints I had about the original Scream, which is just, it's not that funny to me. And it's definitely not mm. scary uh, because they're just stab kills, but they're not very gory. They always are just like a guy jumps out and then stabs you. Um, so they're not they're not yeah. creative. There's some pretty gnarly ones in in um, in five. Some of the kills are pretty fucked yeah. up. I have a feeling like um, I, I, I like Scream as this sort of like marker of culture. 
like as this yeah. like interesting that's kind of how i see it it's it's you kind of see these as bookmarks in the story of horror throughout the last couple decades right. he's like a and the thing that's the thing that's interesting in four that i found very uh when i when i rewatched it and thought about it some more in recent years the thing that i found very fascinating about it is like how prescient it is in terms of um like streaming culture yeah and like the fact that like the that the killer in that movie is like streaming his murders <laughs> and i remember like i remember watching it when it came out and being like this is stupid that's not how it works that's not how it will work <laughs> whatever and then like literally i mean like there's been how many fucking killers who have streamed their murders at this point and you're like damn scream you really actually kind of fucking yeah, nailed that I've one i've watched up. the guy blow his own head off on twitch <laughs> it's great. like yeah. and like the way that like the way that people are are like the way that she at the end of it is like, I don't need, you know, I don't need friends. I need fans. And like, that's what this has been about. And you're like, that's some shit that really (laughs) happens. And that didn't happen back then. They really kind of just like saw where culture was going and just kind of put it right out there. It's a bit of like a, like a, like a troubadour sort of like heralding, like where we are in culture with horror. And I, and I, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's wrong. I, and I mean, I think that um, to, to me, I think it goes a little bit, it's a little too um, on the nose with it, uh, where it's just like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like, I want to be famous. So I killed seven people. Uh, but this is the thing is, is can it be on the, you're, you're thinking of it as being on the nose because the nose has presented itself <laughs> I think to it you. probably was However, back then too. Back then, would the nose have been there? Would you have seen the nose, or would you have been like, "This is <laughs> fingers all the way out here"? <laughs> it's like two feet away from your I, face. I at think least. it was probably on the nose then. Like there was a certain level of like that kind of stuff was in culture enough. Like this was this was past Lonely Girl. This past like this was the beginning of actual like YouTube personalities and stuff. And I, I mean, it's it's not. I'm not trying to take away from it. It just it feels as no. as a movie. It feels like uh, this is this is before Twitch plays Pokemon. Yeah, but it's not. <laughs> it's not after. It's a. Uh, there's definitely like YouTube personalities, right? There's there's YouTubers, but I think of Twitch plays Pokemon as being this sort of like um, opening of the door into like the modern streaming era. Mm. Um, in terms of like Twitch and like interactive streaming, I should say. Um, and, and and yeah, I mean, you had YouTubers back then. You definitely had that, but you had John Tron. I think and it's Game Grumps and uh, Fred. Uh, I mean, Fred was when I was yeah. was much before this. I can't remember who was. I wasn't like watching you. Fantano, I know, was around at this point. Sure. I mean, you had web personalities, and I think that's what they're kind of playing on. Yeah, yeah, But it's exactly. like, I think it's 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 interesting to have seen stuff like Fred and Fantano and whatever, these like early internet YouTuber things, and be like, this will eventually end up with somebody doing something massively ugly with this platform. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> like, they were able to, I mean, they're, they're essentially predicting that that fucking New Zealand freak will fucking murder all those people that mosque Church. on Twitch, you know? Twitch. That's yeah. a crazy video. Uh, <laughs> don't like to watch that movie. Uh, don't like to watch movie. that one. Um, <laughs> bad movie. Don't ever. Dark Council, do don't you dare. Do not recommend that. Uh, no, it's, that would it's, be it's a de- fucked up. <laughs> the Dark Council <laughs> is completely capable of doing that to us, by the way. <laughs> I've seen it. I know, but if a they couple- like, if they one month are just like, you're watching all just like lively <laughs> for the whole month. <laughs> just snuff film. Yeah. Uh, that would be a crazy month. Um, I'll not recommend. Uh, but Scream 4, uh, yeah, it's a definitely an interesting movie. Uh, I just, on a, on a moment-to-moment basis, like, Sydney sucks. I hate Nev Campbell. <laughs> mm. uh, Dewey is lovable, but, like, doesn't get enough things to do. Gail is annoying. Uh, Emma Roberts does a good job as the girl, as the, you know, ends up being the killer. Um, but uh, yeah, just on a moment to moment, it's just like, I'm not, I'm not, I watched this movie alone at home in the dark. Mm. Um, and I was not scared once. Interesting. Uh, And I'm, and I remember, I'm a Frady cat. 
I remember this is funny because I remember coming home from that movie. Um, I saw it in the theater when I lived in Sunnyside and I remember coming home from that movie and my girlfriend at the time like went to go check the mailbox or something and I took the elevator up to her apartment and I remember like the elevator or maybe I had to go downstairs or something like there was some reason why I was alone in the elevator and I remember being like oh fuck <laughs> you're scared this is where they get me <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna get me. This I is where I'm gonna get got I by Ghostface. This is Wes Craven's last directorial di- movie, um, yeah. and that's that's a sad time. But I just think this movie just like looks so bland. Mm-hmm. The, the the music is really over the top and bad in, in a lot of places. It just it didn't really work for me as a as a horror movie, and it's not funny enough to be like entertaining as a comedy. It's yeah. just an interesting like little piece of a time capsule and I'm but I am excited cuz Craven didn't actually uh direct 5 and 6 so I'm excited to watch those um and hopefully but is it it's the same guy it's the same uh it's the same writer Kevin Williamson or whatever for Scream 5 for Scream 5 I think um uh, good question I think it's the same same dude uh so, yeah, no, no, he's an exec. Yeah. He's executive producing. He's an executive producer, yeah. It's six and five, different writers. James Vanderbilt and Guy Busick. Guy Busick, oh, they wrote Ready or Not. That's a good movie. You ever seen Ready or Not? Mm-mm. Yeah, they they wrote that. That's a fun uh, suspenseful comedy movie. It's a hor. It's a comedy horror kind of. Um, I recommend Ready or Not. Anyway. Uh, we spent too long on Scream franchise. Uh, we sure did. I, I, it's a it's a weird it's a weird franchise that I it's never really hit for me. I am excited to. I'm still holding out hope that it can be something really cool. Um, so we'll talk about that when I watch those. Uh, let's get to our feature presentation, which is No Sudden Move, directed by Steven Soderbergh from 2021, starring. A beautiful cast: Don Cheadle, Benicio del Toro, uh, David Harbour from Stranger Things, John Hamm, uh, Brendan Fraser, Kieran Culkin, uh, Ray Liotta, <laughs> and Julia Fox. Yeah, uh, lots of great people. A lot of fucking people in this goddamn and, movie, which was very surprising to me. I knew very little going into it uh, about mm-hmm. what it was, except I was like, "Oh, hey, Soderbergh! I remember this movie coming out on HBO uh, and wanting to see it because Soderbergh." always does something interesting he has very few misses um so i was interested he doesn't have i was just thinking about this today that he doesn't have a lot of like big hits but he's got a lot of nice he's like an ichiro suzuki you know he's like got he's really perfected that double you know (laughs) he's really perfected getting his ass on second he's he's a high floor low ceiling kind of guy like it's never gonna uh just be like a slam dunk home run like crazy it's funny because like the movies that he's famous for are like some of his most mid movies in my opinion like aaron brockovich traffic mm. uh i guess his biggest movie probably is oceans 11 which we ta- already talked about gotta um, be yeah and magic mike those are his new yeah that he's kind of newly but i feel like magic mike is a movie that people don't even really associate they're not like damn Soderbergh at it again. You know what I mean? Like it's sort of just like this movie that exists. Yeah, that's true. I don't think anybody thinks of that as a Soderbergh movie. Absolutely is. He directed two of the three, um, and yeah, he's always got something interesting going on, even when they're kind of mid. Like Contagion and Side Effects are both pretty, um, pretty not interesting. <laughs> uh, but most of the time, something interesting, especially with like Che. Che is incredible. Solaris remake, great movie. Um, so I was excited to watch this movie, uh, and I wasn't really disappointed. It's a really cool little crime heist yeah. movie. Um, yeah, just right off the bat, I think this movie—it slaps. Rocks. Yeah, it's, I think it's pretty fucking good. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a pretty good ass movie. I think like it's. I wrote on Letterbox that he's kind of like the king of the middle brow good ass time. <laughs> like that's kind of his. That's his sweet spot. Is it's like there's not really a lot going on. There's nothing like, you know, there's not really a lot to think about. And if there is something to think about, it comes to you mm-hmm. pretty quick. You know, <laughs> there's not much to chew on. 
Uh, however, it's also not mush. You know, it's not like bullshit. Well, it's, it's not funny because it's like his movies it's, always also have a little bit of like a political like think about this though. Mm, like, but 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 to uncover the political thing is not hard. It's never like it's never front, a very challenging thing for you to figure it out no. what he's trying to say or nothing. <laughs> but it's also not like slamming you over the head with it. It's not, and it's also not stupid and and meaningless. Um, so it's interesting. The middle brow, the middle brow, good ass time is is yeah. kind of. I mean, we talked about this last week on the bonus episode, right? The uh, the best mid movies, and I feel like Soderbergh is the king of the mid movie, right? It's like sure. he really just like nails this this exact <laughs> type of movie. Uh-huh. And it, but it, what's crazy about him is he's like the he's like the PT Anderson of the mid movie, like because uh, he loves making little decisions that inform each other like this movie mm-hmm. is all shot in like a fisheye lens for some yeah, reason that, that lens is fucking wild and, like sometimes it's really sick and sometimes it is so not yeah but it's like it, it's like a decision he made and i'm almost i i don't actually know this for sure but i assume he made it because it was like a 50s look that is correct that, yeah. like it's um that, it's like a period it's a period specific uh lens or some shit like right. that. Right. But it's it's filmed on a digital camera. It's a red. But it's in like <laughs> anamorphic for some reason and then like you can see the outline of the lens and it and it makes it kind of feel like it's a, from the 50s or 60s or whatever. But mm-hmm. it, and other times you're like, "Whoa, this is taking me out of it almost." But it's uh it's an it's interesting looking movie as well. So I feel like he's always. It's really what it is. Is it's anytime somebody is moving near the edge of the shot is when it takes you out of it because that's when you see the distortion really right. noticeably. Then you look like you're in that new radicals video or whatever. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so the movie is about a gangster named Kurt, and he's trying to leave town, um, and he goes to his boy. Uh, I can't remember the name of his boy, but his boy sets him up with Brendan Fraser, who's like, all you got to do is babysit these people for three hours and you'll get five grand. Yeah, basically, it's like a um, it's a scheme to like uh, to steal some documents from an auto manufacturer. There's three guys involved in the job. It is Kieran Culkin, Benicio Del Toro and Don Cheadle. Um, Kieran Culkin is going to go. It, they, they all go to this dude's house and they fucking hold his family at gunpoint, and they're like, we're going to take you to your office, you're going to steal this shit from a fucking safe, and you're going to give it to us. Uh, and that's that's the job, right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, Kieran Culkin brings the guy to his office, they, they uh, try to steal the document, the document's not there, the guy forges the document, and so these gangsters are going to then murder his family. Right. Don Cheadle realizes what the fuck is happening. He's like, I don't want to murder this family. They seem like decent people. I'm not trying to be a murderer. Yeah, he That's just not got out really of prison. what I'm about. Yeah. So he kills Kieran Culkin. Um, and then uh, he embarks on this quest basically to so it's sort of- <laughs> figure out what's going on with these documents, figure out who's trying to steal them, steal them himself and then sell them. And that's basically what most of the movie's about. Yeah. And right? this, like that, that happens like what feels like 20 minutes into the movie. Like it's a very slow burn kind of movie, but it's also not that mm-hmm. long. Like it's a, it's a little under two hours. Um, but it, it, it's not rushing either. It's taking its time very carefully and uh, uh, it 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 ends up being sort of a. Um, have you ever seen uh, Three Days of the Condor, with Robert Redford? Incredible mm-hmm. movie. It's about a CIA agent whose whole office gets whacked, and he tries to figure out why that happened, and then ends up being uh, um, gets in a whole another odyssey about like why that happens. So what I love about this movie is that it sort of has this vibe of like okay. He's a guy who's in too deep and and he's not supposed to be alive, basically. Um, or he is. He's supposed to have killed all these people, but now he's kind of turning on the people who were who hired him. Um, all he wanted was $5,000. <laughs> but then what's interesting is that you don't really know what, what Goins, Kurt Goins is the guy's name. I'm, I'm probably going to switch between Kurt and Goins because they call him both. Um, I would just call him Don Cheadle, really, to be honest. He's Cheadle. Uh, so you don't really know what Cheadle is like 
once. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, he wanted five thousand dollars and to leave town. But then once he gets like a bit of the taste of the money. What's really cool about the movie is he kind of sees like multiple steps ahead of the chess mm-hmm. game where he knows the end of the movie and how he's going to get out of this, <laughs> but you right. don't. Uh, and so there's all this like very confusing deals where it's like, why is he doing that? Why is he asking for that much money? Why is he like getting himself so involved in this? But it turns out that the document is uh, plans for a catalytic converter that is small enough to go inside of a automobile um which the movie very lightly uh kind of explains that you know has to do with detroit car, uh you know car manufacturing antitrust and like redlining in the city and it g- goes all the way to the top and you get this like crazy network <laughs> uh ned Beatty like thing where matt damon is just like you are meddling <laughs> with forces you don't understand, yeah. you know, like, and Don Tito's like, I don't give a shit. Yeah, I mean, basically, like, uh, this whole time, throughout the whole movie, you see the plans for the catalytic converter. They mention it a few times, and it's not until really the end when, when Matt Damon is, like, chilling with them. Matt Damon is, like, the CEO of whatever big, you know, auto manufacturer, and he's like, yeah. he's like, yeah, I mean, listen, there's no... He like says some sh- political shit that he's very clearly used to saying. Where he's like, "There's no link between the smog in L.A. and emissions from cars. There's no reason to believe that that's what's happening. The catalytic converter is too expensive to put into other cars. Basically, what they've been It'll smuggling around is is a plan for a is is, is a plan for a catalytic converter that can go in a car. And Matt Damon's goal the whole time you think that like what this is is somebody came up with a cool thing that the other company is trying to steal from them to do themselves. But actually what he's trying yeah. to do is steal it to destroy it so that nobody knows that it exists because they don't want to put yeah. catalytic converters in cars because it's expensive. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I mean like this whole movie is like, it's really nice. It's really nice little crime movie, good period stuff good location stuff. Detroit's not really a city that you see depicted like this very often. That's really nice. Yeah. Um, I like how at different times in the movie, pretty much everybody tries to betray everybody somewhere. Yeah. Um, I love, I mean, I love the, the, you know, man behind the curtain shit at the end when Matt Damon comes out and he's like, yeah, you know, fucking you guys may think you make the rules, but trust me, I make the rules. And you yeah. know, if, if it's like the only one above me is God yeah. <laughs> and you don't even understand the game you're playing. Like it's because he realized he's like getting fucked and he like does not like it, but is trying to like, but at the same time, sure it's, it's interesting because he knows like he, he's realizing he's getting fucked, but he also knows that like odds are it's not going to matter. And he says like, yeah. he says basically like money to me is like a lizard's tail. You know, I lose it. I fall asleep. It's back tomorrow. (laughs) It's like, I make money, but I don't even think about it. Right. And then by the end of the movie, Uh like what happens is like, you know, the money fucking that they stole, that they went through all this trouble for that. So many people died for just comes right back to him with Vig, you know, (laughs) like he ends up getting money on top of the money. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And then, and then his uh so basically what you find out at the end is that uh uh john cheadle owed i believe watkins uh another gangster uh, like a sort of boss gangster uh one of the black gangsters not the italian gangsters who benicio de toro is with um sort of even though he worked for gm i just love how everybody's sort of like clearly working with each other and it, it it definitely is a movie that understands how like structures of power work mm-hmm. in real life where it's like, sure, you're not actually the CEO. And like, even, even Matt Damon is like, I didn't like pave the road. I'm just driving on it. You know, like right. he, he's trying to like deflect his own role in, in like this whole thing. But even Benicio Lotaro like is an ex like operator for, you know, the, the auto industry and, the cops are on obviously just like handing money back to them because uh, they yeah, think I mean, like this yeah, is how the world like, should work. You have this interesting like I don't know we're we're not really going through the plot very well, but it's like it's hard to because it's it very is, complicated. It's pretty complicated and there's a lot of stuff and like honestly, it's not the most interesting way to talk about this movie to begin with. So honestly, sure. 
just like right off the bat, we're you know we're ten minutes from from time here, but I would just say watch this movie. It's worth it. No, it's cool. Um, yeah, and it's and, and, and then come it. back to our conversation. Perfectly honest. Like, <laughs> uh, but I love yeah, how it, w- it would be very it would be very tedious for us to just sit here and be like, here's all the moving pieces of how the plot is entertaining and keeps you on your toes. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter. You'll figure it out You'll when you watch it. it. But there's uh, this interesting thing that happens towards the end where, uh, so they, they've like sold this catalytic converter thing back to Matt Damon. They've made $350,000. They make off with it or they, you know, they think they're making off with it, but then the black gangster guy gets it back, but then he doesn't want it. He's like, fuck this. It's not worth it. This money's too expensive. I'm leaving it here. Um, Benicio del Toro runs off with it, but somehow the cops get it back and they bring it back to Matt Damon, right? And yeah. and and they have all the money that he lost, plus you know the money that uh, that del Toro's Ray Liotta's wife. wife stole from Ray Liotta, plus the money that the black gangster bribed John Hamm with, and he gives right. <laughs> all of it back. He knows that the the amount that this guy is looking for is $350,000. He is perfectly capable of counting that money, seeing that there's extra, keeping it himself. However, right. he doesn't do that. He gives it to Matt Damon because there is this sort of understanding that, like you said, like this is the way it should be. This is right. the power structure that is meant to be. And I am, I am just a rich. loyal, yeah, I'm just a loyal servant of this system. And yeah. my job here is to give it back to you and, 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 give you a little cherry on top as well. And then Matt Damon, (laughs) Matt Damon even acknowledges there's more money here than I wanted. Why don't you have this bottle of whiskey? It's pretty nice. (laughs) (laughs) And John Andrews like looks at, he's like, "Mm, nice. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, whoa, hey, thanks. It's like, just like crumbs off of the table that he doesn't even give a shit about. And he's just like, Wow, cool! I earned I earned this. Yeah, because uh, it's not even like he's vying for influence. He would have gotten enough points just for getting the money back to begin with. Right. But he knows, like, he knows his place in society, right? And these criminals, like, the whole point of the movie, I guess, is that like they are all trying to rise above their station, and John Hamm is the only one who realizes, like, you can't. The mm-hmm. only thing you can do is what you do. You know? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And. And so at the end, uh, why do they, how much money do they, does Watkins end up with? Watkins ends up with the, like, I think it was 125 or 150 that they were going to get from the original guy. Naismith. Naismith. And I don't know why he gets that money from him. They may have had like, I don't know, like another copy or some shit like that. I don't know. He gets the money out of Naismith anyway. And he... there's been some sort of scheme behind the scenes of Don Cheadle has been working with Watkins the whole time to get the money out of Naismith. And that was the money they were going to get. And then at the end, Watkins is like, so how do you want to split this up? And he's like, I just want my five grand that I was supposed to get for this babysitting job. (laughs) Yeah. Cause like you can tell that even he is just like, fuck this, (laughs) this whole thing sucks. I just want to get out of here. It felt to me like John Cheadle's whole idea was like when he kept being like i need more than that like he Mm. kind of was seeing steps ahead and being like i need to square the money with watkins because it seemed like he owed him money and that's why watkins wanted him dead Mm -hmm. um so he ended it up so that he would be in the clear with watkins and be able to make five thousand dollars on top and be able to walk away so he wouldn't you know get killed and he like basically figures that out as soon as he realizes how much is on the table and then that's what he's doing. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how yeah. he expected it to work out with Benicio del Toro, um, who's also great in this movie. Haven't really mentioned Don Cheadle. Everybody in this movie is fantastic. Everyone in this movie is pretty good. I think um, some are better than others. I think, I think Don Cheadle is great. I think Benicio is pretty good. I think John Hamm is great. I think my favorite um, standout one was uh, David Harbour as the sniveling, like, oh, regular, yeah. like, yeah, he's excellent. <laughs> he's um, the, if you don't remember, if you've seen Stranger Things, he's Hooper from he's and he Stranger mm. Things um, took him and made him like a badass, uh, which I always thought was weird. Like in season four or five mm. of Stranger Things, I don't remember which one we're on. The last one where he's in Russia and like breaking out of prison, uh, he's like this like r- insanely strong 
almost super. They always do dude. that though. It's like um, I always think of Die Hard with yeah, that, exactly. where like John McClane is cool in the first movie because he's just like a piece of shit and he's like hungover and he like yeah, but then he can he's like out of breath. All you got to up the stakes so he's also able to like. He just all he's the actually the the best at grappling down buildings and jumping into flaming windows or whatever like it's not something yeah. he's doing out of necessity. Uh but in this movie he is not a superhero. He is a underling who just happens to have access to the safe because he's fucking the secretary on the side mm-hmm. and he's just like <laughs> his we, his wimpiness and like weakling ass like liar guy loved it. And his only and and they keep checking in on him, which is interesting. As this whole like way more interesting story yeah. is happening, <laughs> that he no longer has anything to do with. Like un, like after he gives that safe, up, like uh, the shit from the safe, like there's nothing for him to do anymore. But they just like check in on him every so often, be like, by the way, this guy is a piece of shit, <laughs> and uh, he's uh, been a coward to his mistress, and she's gonna leave without him, and he's gonna go home to his wife, and she's gonna be like, you fucking asshole, and he's gonna be like, it's only Tuesday, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> who may be having an affair with the other wife. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, also interesting. I love. I love that this movie feels so much like the fifties, but like I love when a fifties movie kind of shows the undercurrent of like everyone being real people and having to like keep yeah i I like that a lot well and this is like a great uh it's a great thing that soderbergh movies do where like i mean i guess you know this is a screenwriter ed solomon i don't know how much influence soderbergh has in this but i was thinking about this after i watched um oceans eight and i was thinking about how oceans 11 one of the great things in that movie is how um how lived in it feels and how um how every character has some shit from before the movie that's just part of their story. Yeah, like yeah. I love how, um, like in that when uh, Danny is in the back room and the biker is gonna beat him up, and he comes in, and he's like, "How's your wife?" And he's like, "Pregnant again." <laughs> and you're like, "Oh, these guys know yeah. each other, you know." And there's like this sort of like there's this sort of implication in everything that happens that these guys have done a bunch of jobs. Mm-hmm. There's that great you know scene where they're like, "Well, we're gonna need a Ella Fitzgerald. We're gonna need a this. We're gonna need a yeah. this." And you're like, "This is a world that's lived in. And these guys have done a million yeah. jobs or whatever, you know." And and. And, and and it does feel in this movie too like there's a lot of stuff where it's like there's implications of stuff that's happening off screen there's just like stories that took place outside of the realm of this story that just believably exist there mm-hmm. um, speaking of Ed Solomon also wrote Now You See Me and Now You See Me too mm, uh, <laughs> interesting. which I'm going to watch this week uh, I know I do want to watch this too. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it, there's it's a very lived in world. It's a it's a it's a very uh, intricately connected thing. Um, yeah. Oh, but you know what I was going to say about actors though is um, yeah, David Harbour is great. Don Cheadle's great. I love when he's people who I didn't punching love. the boss and he's like, "I'm sorry, sir." Oh yeah. Well, I love before that when he's like, "I'm gonna I'm gonna pick up the phone and call." And he's like, "No, <laughs> no." Uh, so who did you, he just doesn't know how to yeah, be tough he's just like just like a chat just no, a petulant no. guy uh who did you not like uh people i didn't like um i think kieran culkin kind of is just like really noticeably not like everybody else. like he's too modern like he's I yeah just, i feel like he's he's just he only does the one thing and so like it just doesn't feel right with him in this like he's talking too much like a millennial like he doesn't really see don Cheadle sounds like he belongs there karen culkin doesn't brendan fraser loved the guy i don't think he was great oh i liked him in this i thought he was i thought he was a pretty good 50s like mob like mobbed up guy uh he's just a little too like in it every time it kind of felt like watching his his uh award (laughs) speech where he's just like being too much all the time yeah i guess so i thought he was good but i i see what you're saying uh who else was good benicio del toro is always good but he doesn't have mm-hmm. a ton to do here and i i like i like how he kind of he kind of reminded me of um his character in fear and loathing a little bit <laughs> sometimes mm-hmm. like he's just fucked up all he's the just time kind of like aggrieved <laughs> just like a little bit like i don't I don't think this is the best idea. And then it's interesting how he like is secretly gonna like he always knew he's gonna run away with all the money. Like his his 
the girl he's like running away with is in the other room and like well he'd like his mm. change into like the other guy who's just like oh, we actually got all the money <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> and he's just, it broke my way yeah, broke my way baby uh he's really good uh the the amy semitz uh the wife of uh david harbour is great yeah I, or no um oh yeah the wife of david harbour yeah i was thinking of the wife of uh ray liotta julia fox um, oh. I don't really know what to make of her in this. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know what we're supposed to take away from her story. That she, like, first you're like, oh, cool. She got shit beat out of her by Ray Liotta, and then she murdered him. And you're like, nice. Uh-huh. Sick. Good job. Yeah. And then later she's like, and then also I just want the money, so I'm going to kill you. Yeah. What, did she, like, get a taste for blood or something? <laughs> That's true. Like, I didn't the- even think about that. Uh what is the story there? <laughs> that she's just sort of like, yeah, I'm just going to kill everybody. I didn't like you that much. <laughs> I mean, I guess it like makes sense as like someone who just saw an opportunity and doesn't even trust this guy because he's like a weird gangster. But like that, that's that's definitely undercooked. I will agree. Um, mm. But aside from a couple really maybe only that thread. Oh, Ed Solomon also wrote the Super Mario Brothers movie. What? The original, oh, the original, yeah, yeah. <laughs> dude, this guy fucking men rocks. Black, Look at Charlie's this, Ain't. Bill and Ted, Super Mario Brothers, Men in Black, Bill and Ted, the first two and the third one. Yeah, what a king. <laughs> yeah, he. Now you see he me. He had some pretty rough uh, movies in the two in the early aughts. Uh, in Laws, Levity, Imagine That with uh, Eddie Murphy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's got to be bad. I do want to see Rapture Palooza. Uh, because I'm always saying um, that Craig Robinson deserves more uh, like leading roles. Like Craig Robinson mm. is always the funniest person in the movie he's in. Like usually, to me, I don't know. Do you not think? Yeah, that? definitely. Uh, no idea. I think he's. Great. I think he's always great, and he. I can't even like, uh, not Josh Whedon. Uh, Judd Apatow. I don't think has ever given him a like. It's a, it's Craig Robinson's movie. Like all of those guys got movies, right? What's Craig Robinson's movie? Yeah, he, he deserves, deserves it. it. Um, anyway. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I liked the movie a lot. It was a good movie. And it, it like we said, it's, it's a fun, twisty little... It's not super suspenseful, but it's kind of a thriller. Um, yeah. But it's more of a mystery. I wouldn't... I don't know if I'd call it a heist, necessarily. Kind of a heist? It's a crime. <laughs> they do doing a crime. crime. For sure. I feel like a heist is more fun than this. Yeah, as a... This is a good movie. It's a good time. But it's like... I mean, like, the crime itself isn't fun in this. Mm, yeah. There's a lot... I, I like... I think the only thing that makes it feel like a heist is that there's a lot of double crossing. There's a lot of, mm. uh, like, where's who's actually going to get the money? Who's going to come out of this alive? It feels like the, the true, whole ending true, true. sequence where they're getting the money, they're h- doing the handoff with the, the catalytic converter uh, plans uh, for the money feels like a heist um, because people are, like, getting away with the money. But there's no, like, secretly breaking into anything in this movie, really. Um, so it's, a, it's definitely a different feel. Um, but I, I I I I kind of accept it in the heist month for feeling uh, puzzly, you know, like not being sure who's who's got the upper hand, uh, which I think is a core tenant of of heists. Um, but you're right; mm. it's not strictly a heist movie. There's no actual heist. They're not stealing anything really. They're just black. It's it's a blackmail movie, which is not really a thing. <laughs> Yeah, um, but I, I I recommend it. It's a great, it's a really cool movie. A solid middling, yep, fun time. Middle brow, good ass time. All right, thanks so bud everybody for listening. That has been the episode. Check out No Sudden Move by S- Steven Soderberg. Uh, if you'd like to hear more of our show, you can go to patreon.com slash generation loss, where you can join the Dark Council yourself and tell us what we're going to watch next month. Not next month. That's already. <laughs> the council has already formed in case you don't know we'll tell you about what it is next week um but maybe the month after that 
Um, you can also sign up for the Sopranos tier where you can vote on what we're going to watch after the Sopranos, which is really coming up. We've only got two more months of Sopranos. Um, this one and then the next one. Uh, otherwise, you can Discord benefits where we hang out and talk about the movies. Um, you can go to Twitter and follow us on Twitter at GenLostPod and follow us individually from there. And until next time, that's, that's movies. movies.